Well, welcome again to Life Church today. We're so glad that you are here. My name is Dustin, one of the pastors. Okay, thank you. It's an honor to be here with you today as we continue our series called Bridges. It is a series where we've been talking about the bridges that God has built for us, God has built to us, God builds through us. Last week, Pastor preached an incredible message about the bridge that God built to us through Jesus Christ. It was an incredible message. You were but God by grace. How many of you were able to hear that message, be a part of that message? It was absolutely phenomenal. If you missed it for whatever reason, uh, then you need to go online. You need to check that out because it's an incredible message uh, by itself, but also it serves as a foundation for this series. And all that we're going to be doing is we're looking at these various bridges. This week, we are looking at a different bridge. We're going to look at the bridge built between us. Between you and me, between you and the person you're sitting beside, between you and the person on the other side of the room or at a different campus today, we're talking about the bridge between us. And I want to start with a series of questions, and I'm going to need full participation here. Uh, And they're going to be either or questions. So I'll give two options, and you'll pick one or the other. I understand that for some of you, you might say yes to both, but I'm asking whichever one is your more strong opinion. However, I think the majority of us will find ourselves on one side of the issue or the other. We're going to do a show of hands, okay? So I'll, I'll, I'll say the first one, and then I'll go back through, and you'll raise your hand for the one that you agree with most, okay? So we're going to start easy here, all right? So the first one is this. Are you a dog person, or are you weird? I mean, or are, do, you, do you like cats, or are you a cat person? So dogs, dogs, raise your hand, all right? The majority, and we got a woo, all right? Put your hands down, and you guys, cats, All right, we know who to look out for. All right, all right, we'll go to the next one. Um, Would you rather send and or receive a phone call or a text message? Phone call, raise your hands. Phone call, all right, hands down. And text message, hmm, looks like a generational divide to some, on some of that, all right. Um, Now, this is very applicable because it's April and there's snow on the ground. Winter or summer? Winter or summer? Winter, raise your hands. All right. (laughs) And summer. Yeah. You're living in the wrong place. Sorry to tell you that. All right, we'll do the last one here, and this one might uh, cause a little bit of divisiveness in the room. It's the age-old question. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate or vanilla? Raise your hand for chocolate. And raise your hand for vanilla. There we go. All right. All right. Look, we had so many different people raising their hand for so many different things. We have so many different opinions. We are a divided room. There's so many strong opinions, so many wrong opinions, to be honest with you. (laughs) A lot of us land on different ends of the spectrum. Nevertheless, we're laughing about it. There's smiles around the room. I don't think anyone's angry or upset. Hopefully not. We're able to just still come together week after week. How is that possible? That although we have so many different opinions, we can come together week after week in the same room together. We can sing together. We can, we can um, serve together. We can learn together. We can grow together. And yet we come from different backgrounds, 
have some different beliefs on some different things. We, we, we just find ourselves on different ends of the spectrum, yet we are able to come together week after week and do this thing called church. How in the world is that possible? I want to give you the answer. It's a five-letter word. It's, it's very simple. It's unity. Unity. That's how we're able to do this. And all throughout Scripture, God demonstrates, values, and encourages unity. Unity within the church is paramount for the worship of God and the effectiveness of mission. When we, the church, are in disunity, the works of God weaken and the works of the enemy prevail. However, when we, the church, are in unity, when we are unified as one, we are unstoppable. The Bible talks about unity often, particularly in the New Testament. In fact, there are more verses about Christian unity than there are about heaven and hell. Did you know that? Today, we're going to look at a few verses from Philippians chapter 2 to see what the Apostle Paul has to teach us about unity, about Christian unity, about the bridge that Jesus builds between us. Philippians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 1. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can see on the screens on either side of me. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I want you to notice two things, or really one thing that's happening in this series of verses, but it happens kind of in two distinct places. If you look at verse 1, we get a reminder of everything that God through Christ provides for us. So look at verse one, we see encouragement, comfort, love, tenderness, compassion. And then in verse two, Paul shifts the conversation from what God has done and is doing for us to describe how we should then treat one another based on how God treats us. So we're going to focus on that today by looking at verse 1, verse 2, verse 1, verse 2. Because God does this for us, we can do this for one another. So if you're taking notes, number one, we see that because we are united with Christ, we can be united with one another. Because we are united with Christ, we can be united with one another. So notice the connection here between the first part of verse 1 and the first part of verse 2. Okay, the first part of verse 1 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, in the first part of verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. By the way, all of these verses that Paul sets up in the first part of this, uh, of this chapter is not like, hey, if this ever happens, it's not that kind of conditional thing. He knows that you have received encouragement from being united with Christ. It's, saying, it's basically saying, since you have received encouragement from being united with Christ, then do this. So because we have been united with Christ— we can be united with one another. Outside of salvation, Paul talks about unity more than any other topic in all of his writings. Paul knew that in the early days of Christianity, unity was going to be the thing that either made or broke the Christian church. 
It was true for then, and it's still true today. He uses the word here, like-minded. Like-minded. What does that mean? Well, here's what it doesn't mean. Like-minded does not mean that we see everything exactly the same. Some of you like cats. It doesn't mean that we uh, fall on the same side of the political spectrum. It doesn't mean that we have the same worldview. It, it doesn't even mean that we're in complete doctrinal unity about each and everything that the Bible has to teach. The Greek word here for like-minded means equal in soul. Equal in soul. There's this cooperation, this solidarity, this harmony that is struck between two or more people. It's unity, not uniformity. You understand the difference? It's, it, it's unity, not uniformity. We're going to be different, but we're going to be united in our differences. Unity, not uniformity. Believe it or not, you will never find a perfect church where you agree with every person and every teaching and you like every song. You're not going to. And if you find that perfect church, don't go there. You'll mess it up. <laughs> There's no perfect church. You are at times going to disagree with some of the, the things or you're going to not enjoy one of the songs. You're going to think the music is too loud or the music is too quiet or the lights are too bright or they're not bright enough. You're always going to find something. But my encouragement to you is to find a church that you can agree with enough to submit to, to engage in and to give your life to. Listen, you're here at Life Church today. We want you here, but Life Church isn't for everybody. There are a lot of good Bible-believing churches, and I'm not trying to get rid of any of you, but I'm saying if you can't find unity here, you've got to find unity somewhere. You need to attend a Bible-believing church. Listen, there are some non-negotiables, okay? Like, you're going to differ on some things, but there are some things that, like, have to be there. When it comes to theology or doctrine, I would say you need to go to a Bible-believing church that believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that we're sinners in desperate need of a savior, that, uh, that, that by faith alone, through grace, Jesus is the only way to the Father, you need to find a church that believes and preaches those things. But don't be surprised, or don't be put off, when you're sitting in a, in a church service one time and you hear something that you disagree with, or you hear something that you don't quite understand. That's not bad, that's okay. That, that's more than okay. There's going to be some disagreements at times. There's going to be some differences at times, difference in interpretations or understandings. And, and, and that's okay. We are all an imperfect people trying to serve a perfect God. And so we're going to mess it up from time to time. You're going to mess it up from time to time. We are flawed, but God is not. And as long as we are united soul to soul in this, that is a wonderful thing. In fact, Psalm 133.1 says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant when God's people live together in unity. Not uniformity, but unity. So what if, what if rather than getting upset when someone disagrees with us, what if instead we were to ask engaging questions? Or we are to open up our mind and our heart to actually learn a different position than ours or, or, or a different thought process. What if we were to celebrate the beautiful diversity in the body of Christ? When we do that, rather than gossip or slander or fear monger or distance ourselves from people who think differently than us, Scripture says that that is good and pleasant. 
It's a beautiful thing when God's people live together in unity. So that's the first thing that we learn here. That because we are united in Christ, we can be united with one another. All right, you still with me? Let's go to number two. The second thing that we find here is that because of God's love, we can be united in love. Because of God's love, we can be united in love. Philippians 2, the second part of that verse, first verse says, if you have any comfort from his love, or since you have any, since you have comfort from his love, second part of verse 2, then have the same love. If you have any comfort from his love, then have that same love to one another. Not only do we have the opportunity to be united with one another soul to soul, but we can be united in love. And you know the difference. Let me illustrate it this way. My brother and I, we grew up in the same house. We lived under the same roof. We watched from the same television. We ate from the same pantry. However, we were far from being united in love. It was difficult growing up. There was some frustrations. There was some friction. If you have young kids, you might understand what I'm talking about. Or if you and your spouse have had a recent argument, you might know what I'm talking about. Like you can live under the same roof and there be a loss of love or at least a loss of like. It is absolutely possible to go to the same church, especially with one that has multiple campuses or a big auditorium or different service times, and strategically plan your weekends so that you can avoid certain people. You can go to a church like ours and never see someone that in the, in the distant past hurt your feelings, offended you, or mistreated you. In fact, you know where to park, you know what door to walk in, you know where in the auditorium to sit, you know what exit to leave out of, You've got it all figured out. And you think you're smart for it. You think this is the good and mature way to handle things. But if you're doing this, stop it. That's not healthy. That's not what Jesus would do. In fact, in the Bible, we get a, we get a beautiful depiction of what love is. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You've probably heard this set of verses before because it's often used at weddings. And while it can be applied to romantic love, that's not even the context that it was written in. 1 Corinthians 13 was written uh, talking about love between one another, brothers and sisters, those that attend church together, those that do life together. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, we'll just read a few verses, but verse 4 through 7 says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. What if we could love like that? Like wouldn't our, our families be better for it? Our marriages would be stronger for it? Our churches would be stronger, our friendships. If we were to be united in love, in spite of the differences, in spite of the offenses, if we were to simply choose love, what would that look like? 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. 
you and I, we get to choose love. It's not always the easy choice. It's not always the choice we want to do. It often pushes against our natural tendencies. But you and I, we get to choose love. But you don't know what she said about me. Choose love. But you don't know, he hurt my feelings. Choose love. You and I, 100% of the time, have a choice. Are we going to love this person or not? We have a choice. Better yet, Love is always the right choice. Author Dick Foth writes that love is the accurate estimate and the adequate supply of another person's needs. I'm going to say that again. Listen, love is the accurate estimate and the adequate supply of another person's need. You don't love because of what you can get out of a relationship. You love because of what you have to give to the relationship. Think of it this way. You you currently have the solution to someone else's problem that is sitting in this room right now. Either you have the solution or you are the solution. If you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you to meet the needs of someone else in this room in an act of love, what's stopping you? What's preventing you from doing that? We love because of what we have to give. Better yet, scripture reminds us that we love because Jesus Christ first loved us. How much love have you received from Jesus? How much love have you received from God? Why would we not choose love for others, especially our brothers and sisters? And listen, I get it. (laughs) I really get this. At times, it is more difficult to love those that you're closest to. Some of you can easily give love or forgiveness to other people, but when it comes to family, when it it comes to those that were your best friends, that's when it's difficult to love deeply, love always, to persevere in love. And I imagine the same is true for people that have wounded you or hurt you within the church. But I can only tell you what scripture says, and love is always the answer. Love is always the answer. The third unifying truth that we find in our text is this. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we can be united in spirit and in purpose. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we can be united in spirit and in purpose. Continue to look at our verses. In verse 1, it says, If there's any common sharing in the Spirit, in verse 2, then be one in spirit and of one mind. One in spirit, one mind. The the Greek here for common sharing is koinonia. Maybe you've heard it before. It means fellowship or participation. It means community. Paul is using clever phrasing here to convey the idea that because we are united with the Holy Spirit, we can then be united in spirit with one another. Basically, we can have one goal, one mission, one purpose, one aim that we are all headed towards. So just as a reminder... What is Life Church's mission? What is Life Church's purpose? Do you remember? Life Church exists to lead people to experience life change in Jesus. It can be summarized with two words life change. In fact, united together, can we say those two words? Let's say it. life, life change. That's our mission, that's our purpose. It's who we are. Life Church exists to lead people to experience life change in Jesus. We are not a church for the consumer to get comfortable in. 
while the world around them goes to hell. We are a church on mission. We are a church that does anything and everything short of sin to reach people with the love of Jesus. That is why we go, that is why we do, that is why we serve, and that is why we give. Everything that we do is wrapped up in the hope that people might experience life change in Jesus. That's why we design our buildings the way that we do. That's why we have the programs that we do. That's why we appropriate our missions dollars in the way that we do. This is the flow of our services. It's the planning of our sermon calendar. Everything that we do is for one reason and one reason only. It's life change. And we don't try to hide that. In fact, we invite you to join in and take part in what God is doing in and through Life Church. But it is imperative that we are united in this. We can be divided on a lot of things, chocolate or vanilla, but when it comes to our mission or our purpose, we have to be headed the same direction. You understand that, right? Like, I mean, think about this. The only thing I guess that um, makes sense to y'all is if we talk uh, football and Packers. So think about the Packers coming together and um, half of the team being dressed out to play basketball and the other half of the team being dressed out to play football. That would be problematic. They've got different goals, different, um, have you, speaking of different goals, have you seen videos before where an athlete or someone that's trying to be an athlete accidentally scores on their own team, whether it's soccer or basketball? How humiliating, how embarrassing it is. But that is often what churches look like when they're headed different directions. That can't be life church. That can't be any church that hopes to um, thrive and do what God is calling them to do. One of the pictures that the, one of the metaphors that the Bible gives for the church is a body. You've heard that, right? The body of, the body of Christ. In fact, Paul calls it the, the church, the body of Christ. And each of us make up different parts of the body. So in this room today, some of you, uh, we've got hands and fingers, phalanges. Others of you that maybe uh, didn't shower this morning, you're the feet. Uh, we've, got, we've got elbows in here. We've got knees in here. We've got all sorts of, of, of parts of the body in here today. And when we are working in tandem together, that is good and that is healthy. I mean, think about your own body. When, you're, when your mind is working with your legs and your arms, that is good and that is healthy and you can operate well. But there are times when, you're, when, when things get twisted, when your feet decide to start, stop working with one another so you stumble or, or, or you kick a wall or a table. Um, that, it's, it's a ridiculous idea, but if my hand were to get mad at my face and rebel and just start slapping my face, that's unhealthy. That's ridiculous. But again, that's, what, that, that's a picture that we're given when the body of Christ are at odds with one another. Just a hand slapping its own face. Not only in those moments do we make ourselves look bad, but we make Jesus look bad to the world that is watching. We're failing to image him well to a world that desperately needs to see and know the beauty of Jesus. As a church, we might have differing opinions on many things, but not this. We must be headed the same direction. Life Church exists to lead people to experience life change in Jesus. We must be united in spirit and in purpose. Everything that we do is for life change. Finally, the fourth and final thing that we see here in our text is this. Because of God's compassion, we can care for one another. 
because of God's compassion for us, we can care for one another. If we look back at our verses, the very end of verse 1, if you have any tenderness and compassion, and then verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I think it's often good for us to be reminded how tender God is with us. How slow to anger, how slow to wrath, how merciful and compassionate our God is for us. Amen? We often talk about mercy and grace here. Mercy and grace. Do you know the difference between the two? Mercy is when God does not give us what we do deserve. And grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. In view of God's endless mercy and grace that you have received from God, are you giving the same measure of grace and mercy to others? God is quick to forgive you. Are you quick to forgive those that have done you wrong? God is patient with you. Are you patient with others? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul is constantly turning our attention to Jesus. He's knowing that you're not going to be patient enough, so look at Jesus. He knows you're not going to be forgiving enough, so look at Jesus. You've got to look at Jesus as your example. In fact, here in Philippians chapter 2, if you continue to read, and we won't for the sake of time today, verses 5 through 11 point to Jesus as our example, who took on the very form of a servant, humbled himself, and in an act of great compassion, laid down his life for our sakes. Paul's point is this. Jesus is willing to do this for you. Why wouldn't you do the same for your brothers and sisters? For the, for the people around you that God has called you to do life with for the kingdom of God. Why wouldn't you go out of your way to serve and to give and to have compassion and care for one another when you've already received so much of that from God? My question for you is this. When is the last time that you have been inconvenienced because you were serving someone else in this room? I know it's an awkward question, but I think some of us need to get to a place again where we are allowing ourselves to intentionally be inconvenienced or uncomfortable because we are serving someone else. And again, I think some of us, we think we can check out that box because we're serving people outside of this room, outside of this fellowship. But scripture is clear there's something beautiful when, when we take time to serve one another well. When's the last time that you've had to rearrange your schedule? where you've had to answer a late night phone call or text? 
When you've had to do something that was uncomfortable for you to serve someone else. When's the last time you've made a meal for someone at our church that underwent an operation? When's the last time you served on the weekend? When is the last time you did something that made you uncomfortable for the sake of someone else's comfort in this room? Listen, none of this is easy. The fight for unity is, is, is a tough one. It's a, it's a difficult one. You're, going, you're bound to get it wrong from time to time. But this is why Paul first reminds us what God has done for us and what he continues to do for us. He points to that first before telling us what we should do for one another. So today, do you have someone to forgive? So someone that's, that, that truly has done you wrong, but that you need to offer forgiveness to today. Maybe some of you um, need to repent about something that, that, that you've done. Or maybe you've done something to offend someone else in this room and you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you haven't loved well. Or maybe someone, there's someone that you've been avoiding at this church. Maybe you've been a part of this church for a long time, but you've just been coming for what you can get out of it rather than what you can give. Maybe you have yet to press into this messy, imperfect community that was created by God and for God. Wherever you find yourself today, we can all do better. The worship team is going to come out. In fact, if you could come and play on the keys, we, we, we all have to take a step forward today. We've all got to do something with this. We can't just go from here saying, ah, I'm just gonna continue to do it. It's a message that is, uh, that is going to challenge you to do something to grow in this area to serve a little bit harder, a little bit more, to, to, to be a little bit more uncomfortable, to go out of your way and to change something for the good of the people in this room and for the glory of God. Listen, this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna sing a song together. And then in a few moments, you're going to be dismissed from this service. But my hope is that today you would not rush out of this room that you wouldn't rush to go grab an early lunch or that you wouldn't just try to get out of here as quickly as you can so that you can beat the other cars out of the parking lot. But that instead, you would linger just a little bit longer. That you talk to someone that you wouldn't normally talk to, that maybe you'd go across the aisle. We've all got our spaces that we always sit in, right? If you would just go across the aisle and talk to someone that you haven't talked to before. Maybe there's someone in this room that before you leave here today, you need to catch them and say, I'm so sorry. Maybe today you need to find someone that you've never seen before. Offer to pay for their lunch and take them out. Maybe you need to, there's so many things that we can do today, but I'm just saying that we all need to take a step towards unity today. Because I'll tell you this, There are so many people on the outside that are currently disenfranchised with what the church is, not because of who Jesus is, but because of the image that his followers give of him. There are so many people that want nothing to do with the church because the church can't even get along together because there's more fights than there are friends. There's feuds. I mean, for a long time, the church has fought over the color of the carpet the song preference. And listen, there's so many things that we can disagree on, but there's a way to do it that still allows us to be unified and, and projects 
an image of Jesus to the world around us that is true. I think we've all got some work to do today. I'm gonna pray. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes? And God, we just come to you today and we thank you for your son. We thank you for Jesus, who through his life, death, and resurrection gave us unity. God, not only did you build a bridge to us, but you are building a bridge among us so that we can do life well together. God, I pray that you would forgive us for the times that we have not represented you well. God, forgive us for the times that we have failed to forgive, that we have been impatient, that we have stirred up strife, that we have failed to serve others. God, forgive us for that, but help us to do better moving forward. God, help me to do better moving forward. For any of us in this room that would make an excuse as to a reason why we can't serve, not enough money, not enough time, we're an introvert, whatever it might be, God, I pray that our excuses would fall frail before the feet of Jesus. And that today you would strengthen us Open our eyes for opportunities here today before we leave this building to serve and to love and to give. And God, for those that came in this room today without a relationship with you, I pray that you would build that bridge first and that in this moment, as this prayer comes to a close and as we go into this next song, God, that you would save people that are far from you and that you would bring them into unity with you. God, we know that you're here and we know that you can do these things. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus, amen.